Hi, this is Tony Campolo. The name of the show is From Across the Pond. So named because we put it together here in the United States, specifically just outside of Philadelphia in St. David's, Pennsylvania. Eastern University is where I've taught for so many years, and we use the studios of Cambrini University, which is kind of a joining school to Eastern. Eastern is an evangelical school uh, that uh, features all kinds of liberal arts programs. So look into it. Um, I share the program with none other than the uh, famous, or shall I say infamous, uh, Shane Claiborne, uh, author of a number of books, the most famous of which is The Irresistible Revolution. One of the things that I noted is we were traveling across the United Kingdom. Uh, everywhere we went, Shane, I met people who had read the book and who had been impacted by it. And in many cases, lives have been changed because of it. Uh, that's a lot to say about a book. So uh, the book has now been reissued. Uh, before we go into that, I need to say we are promoting in our lives a movement called Red Letter Christians. You say, Red Letter Christians, why that name? Well, we put together a movement based on the red letters of the Bible. Many of the old Bibles had the words of Jesus highlighted in red letters. And we decided it was time to take the red letters of the Bible, the words of Jesus, seriously and put them into action. Stop to think about it. How much do we really take Jesus seriously when he says, love your enemies? What does that mean when we are ready to go to war? Uh, when he says, blessed are the merciful, here in the United States, what does that mean? Where evangelicals seem to lead the parade in favor of capital punishment. When Jesus said, sell what you have and give the money to the poor, how do we spell that out in real life? What does it mean to take the Beatitudes seriously, the Sermon on the Mount seriously? Uh, Gandhi once said, everybody knows what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, except for Christians. Well, the Red Letter Christian Movement is a movement that calls people to take Jesus seriously. If you want to know about this movement, I ask that you go to our website, redletterchristians.org. And if you're in the United Kingdom, you can go to redletterchristians.org.uk. Find out about the movement. There's a place where you can sign up and identify yourself as a red-letter Christian, saying, I believe the doctrines of the Christian faith. I've always been orthodox, but I'm not sure that I've lived out the lifestyle that Jesus prescribes in those so-called red letters of the Bible. Uh, Shane, you've just finished a tour across the uh, United Kingdom, and you've been dealing with one particular bit of the red-letter Christian movement, and that is a commitment to nonviolence. Uh, tell us about what you were doing and what kind of response you had. We're still catching our breath, aren't we? We had 27 events in like nine days or something, Tony and I traveling around. And we're so grateful for uh, Ash Barker. He's the executive director of Red Letter Christians UK, uh, a part of the, the beautiful community there at Newbegin House um, in, in Birmingham yeah. with his wife, uh, Ange, and their whole community there and their two alpacas. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but we, you know, we traveled all over uh, with, with some amazing leaders there, Sally and Dave Mann, who were um, in East London and Newham and uh, uh, Mick Kane um, from Scotland. We, we just had an amazing group of folks. And part of what we were seeing is that um, we, we really need to connect the gospel to real neighborhoods. And so everywhere we went, we were, hosted by these communities, um, uh, which Clarence Jordan here in the United States, he started a community down in Georgia called Koinonia Farm, and it was a community where 
black folks and white folks lived together before the civil rights movement, and it was actually illegal for them to co-own land, and they did it. And he said, what our communities are meant to be are demonstration plots for the kingdom. We're to demonstrate what the kingdom of God looks like on earth. So you see these little communities like uh, um, in Bonnie Downs there where, where uh, Sally Mann has been, she's the fifth generation of folks that have lived in that neighborhood, a neighborhood that's known plenty of struggles, but also has an amazing hope. So we, they, they reclaimed nine acres of vacant, overgrown land, and we had 500 kids out there playing football. Uh, but we also um, were addressing some of the other needs in the neighborhood, one of which is to do something about um, the knife violence. And we've got a lot of gun violence over here in the U.S. We've got 100 lives lost every single day to guns. But there, you know, in the U.K., there's 40,000 incidents last year of uh, knife crimes. And many of those were in this neighborhood uh, in East London. And so they, they were able to set up the first um, knife uh, uh, amnesty box where folks can uh, give knives. And these are not just any knives, right? These are, You saw some of these. I they're, saw them. They're, they're, big. they're like some of them two feet long and have teeth they on them. Like I mean, swords. they're designed to hurt yeah. folks. Yeah. And uh, so, and some of them that were donated had stories on them of, yeah. of what, where they came from. And so we melted those down uh, into pieces of art, kind of redeeming that metal from metal that is designed to hurt and to kill and to uh, art. And uh, when you in say one art, case, a beautiful phoenix was made out of those knives. Yeah, uh, the and press, Newton, right. The press was taking pictures of those things. And uh, it was an, I was amazed at the beauty of the thing. I just heard yesterday uh, one of the folks in the House of Lords was talking about the phoenix that yeah. we, we, we made in Luton. So, yeah, that was in Luton. So we had several different of these knife events. But, you know, more than anything, they give space to um, uh, honor the grief and the trauma, the, the, the experiences of folks. And we had folks who showed up that told the stories of, people they loved whose lives have been taken by by knife violence and and so it really gives space to that but it's also such a a, a positive way to channel that anger and pain into something constructive and, and to um, live out to live out the biblical verse uh, and yeah. they shall beat their swords into plowshares uh, that's the evidence that the kingdom of god is breaking loose in history and in a sense there it was, a visible expression of the breaking loose of the kingdom of God in history. Yeah. Beating swords into plowshares. Yeah, we did it. And uh, we, we, uh, in, um, the other thing that we saw was, wasn't it, it was just amazing to see so many different groups of folks coming together. So we, we were in um, charismatic churches. We were in, a, uh, I think it was a Nigerian uh, uh, Pentecostal church where Tony brought it. Uh, the fire of a revival. We yeah. were in a Baptist church. We were in Liverpool Cathedral. So that you, you know, we were in uh, various uh, Anglican churches, Church of England, uh, and with, and with high Anglican liturgy, it was the whole yeah. spectrum of the Christian church. It was wonderful to see the church in its entirety. And I said, you know, one of the things that we're doing is bringing people together outside of the silos. And Red Letter Christian is kind of a, a big tent to get people together. As we've said, we're a web of subversive friends. So we're, we're, we're conniving and conspiring, plotting together about what it looks like to, to pursue the Red Letters of Jesus and to actually land that in real neighborhoods with expressions of community. But I quoted one of the... Uh, pastors in our neighborhood uh, uh, who recognizing that we have 
30,000 different denominations of Christianity. 30,000. And yet Jesus' longest prayer is that we would be one as God is one. Uh, so this pastor said, we got to get this thing together because uh, Jesus is coming back and he's coming for a bride, not for a harem. <laughs> that <laughs> unity. But that's what we saw. Sure. We saw this incredible unity um, of folks that we, we've got to get together right now because the forces that stand against the kingdom of God and against the liberation of those who are captive, the uh, good news to the poor. There's there's a lot of things that are that are squashing people's dignity and hope, and uh, so we we need each other right now. So it was it was a beautiful thing to travel all over the UK um, and to talk about uh, Jesus, but also to talk about stuff like immigration and amnesty. And we saw um, great groups uh, like the Action Foundation that is inviting folks to open up spare rooms of their homes to uh, refugees and asylum seekers, re- recognizing you know, that, that when we welcome the stranger, we welcome Jesus. And Dorothy Day had a great line on this. She said if uh, Dorothy Day was the founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, and she said, uh, if every Christian would simply make room for the stranger, we would end homelessness overnight. We'd put the go. foster care system uh, out of business. And so you know, what we saw throughout the UK is Christians who love Jesus and also want to see the gospel, not just as a way of believing, but a way of living in the world. Uh, you know, uh, everywhere we went, we uh, not only spoke to uh, assemblages of people, sometimes hundreds and hundreds squeezed into a church, as was the case up in uh, Newcastle, uh, where it turned into a kind of revival with people raising their hands and committing their lives yeah. to Christ. It was so we, we don't lose sight of the fact that in the midst of all of our social justice uh, statements and actions, uh, we are calling people not just to uh, do social action, but to do it in the name of Jesus and in the process to surrender their lives to Jesus and invite Jesus into their lives. We believe that Jesus is a living presence waiting to be invited into the lives of his hearers. And if you haven't invited Jesus into your life, why don't you do it right there where you are and say, Jesus, I know you're in this room with me. Please, I always believed in you, but I don't think I've ever experienced you. I am hungry for an experience. Invade me. Help me to feel your presence in my life. Everywhere we went, uh, one of the stories that thrilled the British audiences was the story of how you dealt with the homeless in Philadelphia when the police decided to arrest the, po- the, the homeless, uh, getting them off the streets. Uh, tell that story again. Well, we, we, uh, well, one of the things that I realized over there, someone told me that some of these same laws have existed in the UK. And in fact, there's some pressure to continue to uh, um, enact laws that make it really difficult for folks who don't have homes. And throughout the U.S., we saw uh, some of these laws passed. And they had different iterations in different cities uh, some cities made trash city property. So if someone was going in looking for food or cardboard or something in the trash, they could be uh, arrested for stealing from the municipality because uh, that was that was city property. Oh. Uh, other uh, cities were um, making it illegal to ask for spare change and things like that. So Philadelphia passed a number of laws that targeted the homeless. One of them was um, a sleeping ordinance that you can't sleep in public places. Uh, and the second was a, a feeding ordinance that you couldn't share food with people um, on, that were on the streets. So literally it was illegal to 
take a couple of pizzas into the park and give give them out. And so we challenged those laws. You know, we this was uh, uh, right in downtown Philly. We have a park called Love Park, and it has this iconic love sign. And we dropped a banner over it with a big question mark that said, where is the love? Yeah. <laughs> and we uh, we had worship services there where we, you know, we had a bunch of folks that were living on the street and other, you know, allies and friends that came to the park. And we um, we worship, sang some worship songs and then we served communion, which was technically illegal because you're not allowed to give out food. So we served communion and then we slept in the parks. How did the cops react to you serving communion? Yeah, they, they, most of them stood around kind of baffled. And they're like, you know, I, I, this does not look good. I'm not going to arrest them <laughs> they're, during they're communion. They're eating. <laughs> they're eating in the park. I mean. The body uh, of Christ. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, arrest people serving communion, celebrating the Eucharist. Eh? So we, we ended up uh, doing that night after night. And we, we would sleep in the parks, too, because we wanted to challenge the fact that you couldn't uh, sleep in a public place if you had nowhere to go. And um, so one night they, they came in, they swarmed all of us and they arrested us. And uh, dozens of us were, were uh, taken to, to jail and we were charged with all kinds of different things, fines and vacancy. Um, yeah. And, and, and we continued to do it. So we, we, you know, we continued to get arrested. So these things all piled up and we went to court and um, I, I had a shirt on that said Jesus was homeless. And the first thing the judge did was he said, Jesus was homeless. I didn't know that. And I said, yeah, your honor, Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. The son of man has no place to lay his head, Jesus said. Jesus was homeless. And the judge said, you guys might stand a chance. And, uh, you know, we did. We <laughs> argued our case. And, uh, I mean, in the end, the judge is the one who interrupted the whole court scene. And he said, um, what's in question isn't whether or not you all broke the law. It's very clear to me that you broke the law. But what's in question are the laws that we're passing. And he yeah. challenged those laws. And, uh, um he ended up uh, declaring that we were freedom fighters, not criminals, and that yeah. that if it weren't for people who broke the bad laws, we wouldn't have the freedom that we had. Um, and then he asked me for one of the T-shirts, so I sent him <laughs> one, you know. But we, we also had those laws resurface again, so we continue to challenge those laws. And uh, Gandhi and Martin Luther King and so many other great folks have showed us that uh, – it's as much our duty to disobey the bad laws as it is to obey the good laws, but we do that in a way that's respectful. And on one occasion when we went to court, Tony, we even had a police officer that, that, that argued on our behalf. He said, <laughs> yes, I arrested these guys, but uh, I think they're on the right side of history. You know, he said, he said uh, I, we've got better things to do as police officers than chase homeless folks around. Like, you know, we, we, need, we don't need more jails. We need more, uh, you know, affordable housing. You know, uh, people might question what you've just uh, described, uh, citing Romans, uh, the 13th chapter, which says, let every soul, every Christian be subject to the higher powers. And whoever resists the higher power, whoever breaks the law, is a resisting God. And uh, the uh, answer to that is very clear. Uh, when you stand against an unjust law, uh, the... Uh, powers that be want to arrest you. You should never resist arrest. You should willingly go. Uh, during the Vietnam War, if you didn't want to go into the army to kill people in Vietnam, they arrested you. And I encourage my students at that time, uh, if you're going to get arrested, get arrested. And don't give the police a hard time. They're doing their job. The reality is the government always gives you two options. Obey the law or yeah. go to jail. There are two options, and you can either obey the law 
or you can willingly go to jail. That's your statement. You don't flee arrest. You stand up and say, I broke the law. I accept the punishment. And that's what you did, and that's a good thing. Hey, we're uh, on the air with uh, Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. The name of the show is From Across the Pond. Uh, We call it that because we put it together here in the United States. We advocate red-letter Christianity. If you don't know what red-letter Christianity is about, please remember this. Some of the old Bibles have highlighted the words of Jesus with red letters. And we're a people who say it's time that we start taking those red letters, the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, seriously. Have you ever read through the words of Jesus? They're radical. When Christians start living according to the Sermon on the Mount, uh, turn the other cheek, return uh, good for evil, uh, give your money to the poor, uh, live simply that others might simply live. Uh, When you start taking the teachings of Jesus seriously, it's radical, and uh, you start a radical movement. That's what we're hoping will happen, not only in the United Kingdom, but across the United States and around the world, Mm. that people will say, I want to become a red-letter Christian. You can go to the website, redletterchristians.org, and there's a place where you can sign on and, may I say, uh, contribute financially to the Red Letter Christians movement. In the the United Kingdom, you don't have to go to redletterchristians.org, which is the U.S. version of this. Go to redletterchristians.org.uk. The leader of the movement in the United Kingdom is, is Sally Mann, Uh, who is working out of East London. Uh, She's the face of the movement, but the organizational work done by the uh, executive director is done by uh, Ash Barker. He operates out of Newbegin House in uh, Birmingham, I was going to say Alabama, Birmingham, uh, England, after which Birmingham, Alabama is named. So join up, sign on. There's a place where you can say, yeah, I, I do that. Now, let me just say, in the 20th century, there was a great emphasis on being theologically orthodox, obeying the doctrines of the Apostle Paul. He gives us our theology. Jesus does not so much give us a theology as he gives us a lifestyle. And he says, you want to be my disciples? Do whatsoever I command you. With Jesus, believing is not enough. Mm. It's doing, doing the things that Jesus commands us to do. That's what makes us in disciples. The churches of America and the churches of the UK are filled with believers, but there aren't many disciples who are ready to take the red letters of the Bible seriously. That's what the movement is about. After that long tirade, tell us more about your experiences <laughs> well, in the you UK. Know, I, I, I think that as we think about this uh, idea of, of uh, what it means to be Christian in the world right now, Martin Luther King, who's been a great example for us, he, he, he used to say that the church isn't meant to be the servant or the master of the state, but the church is meant to be the conscience of the state. So that we're to stir people's hearts with compassion. And, and I think that also gets you in trouble. That's why Dr. King, when he went to jail, he said, at first I was troubled to go to jail, but then I looked at history and saw what good company I have. Yeah, <laughs> you that's know? Right. And, and as you think of this, like kind of holy troublemakers in history, it's, it's important that, um, uh, you know, Moses's birth was an act of civil disobedience as he's floated down the river and raised by the Hebrew midwives. And there's stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, that are thrown in the fiery furnace. And uh, Daniel, who in the lion's den, the prophets, Jeremiah was jailed. And 
John the Baptist was jailed and executed. And so the, the, the idea that we're to live in the world and to, to stay faithful to Jesus, even when the principalities and powers and even sometimes the laws of the land um, betray the values of Jesus is a beautiful thing. Now, it looks different over in the UK. I think that's what we were seeing is uh, that uh, there, there, there's some things happening in the U.S. that have uh, a different expression over there. Um, even things like the, um, uh, the, the, how we welcome immigrants and refugees, that's a huge issue over there. And to remember that we were to show hospitality like we, we would like to be shown hospitality and that when we do that, we're entertaining angels unawares. No, as no there was a movement over there that was just getting off the ground of uh, inviting the stranger. Could you relate that to uh, what we're talking about with immigrants? Uh, the people who said, uh, you know, if you have a vacant room in your house, would you take in an immigrant and put that uh, immigrant in your vacant room? Uh, yeah. We have so many vacant rooms in our homes across the country. Uh, are we willing to use them for Jesus? Talk about that. Yeah, well, I've I've even been over in the UK and stayed in homes that have Syrian and uh, Iraqi and Iranian uh, refugees that live there, you know, and it's it's a beautiful sort of holy work. But I think it was when we were in Newcastle, it was yes. the, the Action Foundation that has, has really made this their primary mission. And they've created ways of uh, doing it really responsibly. They had an overwhelming success rate. It was uh, like out of 65 uh, homes they placed folks in. Only one of them um, maybe didn't quite go as planned. And basically, I think that was because they were ended up going to court or being detained or something like that. But every other one was amazing. There were several testimonials of folks who had done hospitality that shared about how um, invigorating it is for them and, and also how uh, it deepened their faith to get to know people who have... Um, Many of them fled things that we can we can hardly even imagine, you know, persecution and crises. And and uh, um, and I just remember this one woman saying, you know, you think if I was in crisis and somebody welcomed me in their home, I would be very uh, active to try to make the most of that and to help out around the house. And she said, that's exactly what we found. Everybody that we've hosted, she had hosted like four different families. And she's like, just unbelievable the way that they contribute and care for one another and um, end up kind of building a foundation that they can then, you know, sort of get on their feet. And, you know, I can't even imagine being in a country and sometimes, you know, not even knowing the language or knowing where to start. So it's the most fundamental act of, of uh, Christian hospitality. Uh, and to think, you know, if we've got an extra room in our house, then how could we share it? And for a lot of people, it seems like this is a good way to do it. Peggy was feeling a little guilty after she heard all of that. And then I had you got to, an extra room in your house. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, let me tell you, uh, I had to remind her that there are at least four people who we took in and said, we've got an extra room. Come and live with us. She forgets those things. She said, oh, you're not going to call those people. Well, they had no place to go. And you opened up the home. Do you? Re oh, yeah, but they were so nice. And they were like family to us. As a matter of fact, one of them came to live with us. And uh, she became a kind of, we, we really, she was a foster daughter. Mm. She lived with us for uh, all the way through the years that she was in high school. And after that, through, uh, through her days at university, learning to be a nurse. She mm. still refers to us as her mother and father. When she fills out papers, she calls us mo uh, my mother and father 
or Tony and Peggy Campbell. I said, do you remember we took on all the, oh yeah, but they were so nice. You couldn't call, yes. Very often the refugee will turn out to be a blessing. And that was our experience, wasn't it? We took mm. in people and uh, made no big deal out of it. Peggy, you lived out the teachings of Jesus. Well, I didn't take, look at it that way. I just thought I was enjoying some people who didn't have a place to stay. Isn't it wonderful when you can enjoy what Jesus asks you to do? Uh, so well, we, we, out- we are thrilled about what's happened over there in the UK. In fact, we've got a lot to learn from you all, and we're grateful for Ash Barker and uh, Sally Mann, Dave Mann, all the leaders over there in the UK. Um, so go to the website, redletterchristians.org, and if you're in the UK, redletterchristians.org.uk. Sign up and um, keep praying for us over here on our side of the pond. We're in uh, quite the, the chaotic political scene right now, but God is good in the midst of it. And keep living out the red letters of Jesus. Um, check out these the, the blog and everything on the website because you can catch glimpses of our tour all over the UK as we launched Red Letter Christians. Um, so uh, thanks for listening. We'll, we'll be back on every week uh, at this time. And let's keep the Red Letter Christians movement alive, this web of subversive friends. So uh, thanks for listening.